Hi, my name is Mattia Murray, and welcome to The Longer Road. You are on The Longer Road if you have multiple intersectional identities that are often marginalized. You've had to work harder to get to the starting line, and you might feel behind. I'm here to provide hope, support, and practical tips, and to let you know that you're not alone. Welcome. Today's topic is how, and I suppose why, to take a mental health day. One of my clients took this week their first mental health day that wasn't specifically for an appointment. And I'm super proud of them. And I also wanted to share why you might want to take a mental health day, how to go about it, and some things to consider on the day itself. This is relevant to anyone who considers themselves at risk for burnout, whatever your work or job situation is currently. So that could mean you've experienced burnout in the past, or you're currently stressed or overwhelmed, or if you're just having trouble imagining how you're going to get the things done that you need to get done, this is for you. Because a lot of what I'm talking about today is starting to think about and care for these needs that our bodies and brains have before it gets to that burnout point. And during the how part later on, I will touch on some specifics around employment and sick days, but otherwise the rest of this I think can apply in many life situations, including self-employment or being on disability or just whatever your life situation is. So just take what works for you and adjust or ignore the rest for your own situation. Briefly, what is a mental health day? It's like a sick day. So in a sick day, usually a person stays home or stays in bed to recover from illness. And for a mental health day, it's for mental or emotional reasons. There is plenty of overlap there since for me, mental and emotional distress quickly become physical symptoms. So there could also be physical things going on. Obviously there will be if you are disabled. But a mental health day is a deliberate decision to rest to avoid some of the worst symptoms or sometimes, and this is how I think a lot of people treat it, it feels like a non-optional necessity because of reaching a certain point of overwhelm. And no shame if that's where you are right now. Again, we've been trained that we only get and deserve rest when we reach that point, which is absolutely absurd. And with a mental health day, you don't have to stay at home or stay in bed. I just brought that up with a sick day because most people only take sick days when they're really, really sick. And I'd love to start shifting that around mental health and emotional health, emotional wellness, to make these mental health days more preventative rather than when people are already desperate. So why might you want to take a mental health day and how do you know if you need one? Taking a mental health day can help reset your body-mind system a bit and lower your stress level. And one reason it's worth using preventatively is the earlier you take it, the more good it can do. And, you know, thinking about those stress cycles, if you go back to that episode I had with Sally Hardy or go listen to her podcast, she talks a lot about stress cycles. She's really great. If you're on the very verge of burnout, if you feel like you are right about to tip into burnout, one mental health day obviously is not going to fix that. That's a larger, more systemic problem, but it can still be a useful way to reset and tell your body that you're on the same team, that you're taking care of yourself, that you're actively doing what you can to try to move 
back toward a more manageable level of stress. I googled why you might want to take a mental health day, like what the reasons are. And here is one list of reasons from a neuropsychologist of, and they did say subtle signs that mean you might need a mental health day. This list did make me laugh a little bit, and I will tell you why. Here's their list. One, you're more irritable. Two, you can't concentrate. Three, you're getting sick often. Four, your usual coping mechanisms aren't working. Five, you're always tired. And six, you're not feeling refreshed after the weekend. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that list made me laugh because I feel like that's just the norm for a lot of people I know almost all the time. That's just like how we live. And again, that's a structural and societal problem. Like I'm laughing, but also it sucks, right? I'm reading the book Rest is Resistance right now by Trisha Hersey, which I definitely recommend. And especially if you're black, because she's talking about this from a black lens and how black rest specifically is resistance and how her work is about creating a world where more of us get more of the rest we need. She talks about how modern capitalism came out of plantation culture, literal slavery, and how American slavery learned how to push bodies well past what they could actually endure. And that that's the foundation of treating bodies like machines in modern day capitalism. And I just want to acknowledge right now that in this episode, part of what I'm talking about is helping you feel better so you can get back to doing what you were doing before, right? If this is a break from your work or whatever else it is, a lot of people listening to this, the rest day is so they can get back to work. And in Rest is Resistance, if you read that, there's much more of the approach of how do we opt out of donating our bodies to this system altogether. And that's outside the scope of what I'm talking about right now. There are things we have to do to survive capitalism. And for most of us, part of that includes working more than our bodies would like. So that's a topic for another time, open-ended question. And If you know someone who would be a great guest on that topic, please let me know because I would like to go into this in more detail at some point. So, okay, that list from Google, irritability, lack of concentration, getting sick, coping mechanisms aren't working, tired, and not feeling refreshed after the weekend. I feel like many people would be taking three mental health days a week, right? Some other more serious signs you might look for, especially if you're someone who's used to ignoring your physical symptoms, often for good reason, if you're feeling a deep sense of dread around whatever it is that you need to do for the day. Again, for some people this is work, but just whatever you're supposed to be doing or that you've signed up to do or said you're going to do, including self-care tasks, if you're feeling this deep sense of dread, that to me is a sign that it's time for a reset of some kind. And a mental health day is one way to do that. Another thing to look for is if you're going to do something and you feel like part of your brain or body is just saying no, no, no. You're feeling this like deep no feeling, which is probably similar to the dread, but you know, it's a little bit different. It's this internal sense of no. And starting to notice and work with that particular form of intuition has kept me out of some really bad situations. So this is one way to start listening to your body more and hearing your body more. Again, even if you currently don't have a really strong connection to your body's messages, starting to hear your body's no 
and really deeply working on this consent practice within yourself and with yourself, I think can be really powerful in the long run. Another sign you might look for is extreme sensory discomfort as you're starting to go about your day. So for example, if the idea of getting out of bed just sounds like way too much, not just emotionally, but like this physical sensory sensation of changing states feels really overwhelming. Or when you turn the lights on, if you have that like internal, you know, hiss uh, <laughs> response, or if when you start hearing more noise for the day, right? Any As these sensory things are happening, some days they are more intense than others. And on those days when everything just feels like it's dialed up to 11, or if your physical pain is higher than usual, this is this just means the whole mind-body system is more activated and it may need more extended sensory rest. So again, that could be a day of decision. A lot of what I'm talking about today is more about planning ahead for a day, but if this is happening on the day of and you're just like, wow, my coping mechanisms are not working. Like I feel super, super overwhelmed just from trying to get up and like get ready for the day. That can be a sign that you need a break or a rest. And I have before when I've had day jobs, just extended my start time or gone in late intentionally and let them know that I was going to be there late. That's another way to do that on those days. If you can't take a mental health day on the day of. And then another sign to look for is if you're trying to get things done and it just feels totally impossible. So that could be physically, that could be in terms of focus or just not being able to get started in the first place. And one of my biggest messages I feel like in my work and on the podcast is procrastination is a rational response from an overwhelmed system. It is not a character flaw. So if you are feeling like you just can't get started, again, that's a sign that your system is overwhelmed and it needs some rest. And if it feels like what I'm describing is just your usual state of being, that is super common. We are burnt out as a culture and as a nation and certainly as people with multiple identities who are often marginalized, we're tired. And if this is you, the third section later on about what to do in the actual rest day is going to be super, super important for you to hear, even if you're just applying it in small chunks of time. So coming to the second big point, how to take a mental health day. So both the how to plan it and tell the people involved that might need to know. So if you have a job, thankfully a lot more jobs have paid sick time now than used to 20 years ago. So that's cool. I know not everybody has that, but if you do have sick time available, the first step is just to check your official sick time policy to see if a mental health day is officially included in sick time, because that's actually less common. Even companies who verbally say they want you to take care of your mental health and talk about it a lot haven't always updated the official policy. So just checking that, just to see what kind of language you're allowed to use officially. Unless it's officially covered by your sick day policy and you feel very safe and comfortable with your supervisor, I typically don't recommend announcing that it's a mental health day. I just call it all sick day. That's totally up to you and your comfort level. And the same goes for disclosing specific mental health diagnoses or neurodivergence, which again, you may have already. That's great if you're out at work. A lot of people are not, again, for good reason. 
I know a lot of people who've had it go badly in the long run to talk about specific depression, anxiety diagnoses at work, myself included. And one word that can be really, really useful to use instead of a specific diagnosis is to talk about burnout. The word burnout works really, really well in workplaces because everybody understands what that is. They want to avoid it because they want you to keep being a productive worker. You're kind of working within the system here when you start talking about burnout. If you say that you're on the verge of burnout, that's a socially acceptable way to talk about mental health. And for the most part, people get it. So in most cases, I would recommend talking about burnout if you're needing to take a break for mental health reasons and you're allowed to and it, and it feels comfortable to have that conversation. Otherwise, just call it a sick day. And if your sick day policy requires you to have an appointment to make it count officially to take, say, a partial day, you can go ahead and make an appointment. You can always cancel if you don't want to go or can't actually afford the appointment. So again, just starting to think within these constraints of your specific situation, what can you do to use the time that you're technically allowed to take? And if you only have unpaid sick days, which is a thing in some states and for some types of jobs, this is just totally up to you whether that's worth it. If you don't have paid sick time or you're working for yourself or you're on disability, et cetera, if you're not working, what I'm talking about next, you can just think about how this might apply to you either on a day when you're not scheduled to work or choosing a specific day or part of a day to try this, just giving yourself a break for your mental health. I also want to acknowledge that everything I'm about to share is more complicated if you have kids at home. So for example, maybe you get to stay home for a day, but it means you have the kids with you. That's not really a full mental health day. Just remember like if that's your situation, it's a partial rest day and that can still be really helpful and supportive. So just acknowledging all these things, all these complications, I'm just taking a deep breath right now and letting it out twice as slow. Taking a mental health day is not about perfection. It's just about relaxing in a way that feels genuinely nourishing for you and then physically receiving that nourishment. Third big point, what to do on the actual day assuming that you have taken a mental health day. Here's what I really, really want you to hear, especially if you feel like you're starting to burn out. The point of the mental health day is to truly rest. Rest, actual rest. Yes, you resting. And yes, that's going to look like different things for different people. But for most people, rest does not mean doing all your household chores to catch up. And later on, I will touch on what to do if rest does not feel good in your body yet, which is also very common. So here are the foundational supportive things I would suggest doing on a mental health day, just as a baseline. Catch up on sleep if possible. And if you have a complicated relationship with sleep, just being relaxed in bed and just enjoying the time resting, even if you're not sleeping as much as you'd like, is still restful and supportive. And I would not worry about oversleeping. If your body wants a ton of sleep, go for it. Eat as much as feels good with as little judgment as possible. Drink water and go to the bathroom when you need to. I know that sounds silly to bring up, but a lot of people are used to 
ignoring or not noticing when we have to pee or having work where it's hard to step away when they need to. And long-term, that can affect your internal organs. So peeing when you need to pee and letting it all out is actually really good for you. And then my last suggestion is checking in with your body and your energy periodically and asking yourself these questions. What would feel good right now? What would feel pleasurable right now? Does my body seem to be asking for anything? And then I would just use those questions as a jumping off point for any other potential things you might do on top of just eating, sleeping, drinking water, the basic care for the body. The last time I took a mental health day, I made a list of the things that would feel really nourishing and restful to me. And then I asked my body what from the list or similar would feel good in that moment. And when I made the list, I did have to physically restrain myself from putting chores on it because my brain wanted to do that. What if rest does not yet feel good in your body? Again, this is such a common, common experience. We've been trained to always be productive, to stay in action, to be good little worker bees. And also with certain types of trauma, sometimes people just feel safer in motion. So part of my nervous system healing journey has been becoming more comfortable with rest. And I'm still getting there. This is not about an end point for me. It's just about giving my body what feels like rest now and continuing to stretch that capacity for deeper and more complete rest. My system still prefers a lot of intellectual stimulation and that's okay too. What we're looking for on a true rest day for your particular mental health is for your body-mind system to feel safe, to feel nourished, and to feel rested. That does not mean forcing yourself to do something that someone else might call rest. So from this basic starting point of taking care of your physical body through sleep, eating, drinking water, listening to signals of what it might want, you might already have a good sense of what your system finds relaxing. So for some people, this is movement like going on a walk, stretching, even vigorous working out can feel good to some people. That's not restful to me, but if that's what feels good to your body and you're doing it because it genuinely feels good, not because you think you're supposed to, also actively physically stimming if you're experiencing discomfort can be useful, especially if it's just general discomfort with resting and you're just getting used to it. Stimming, doing things that feel good for your body, noticing you don't need to know the reason for the discomfort. If you're experiencing discomfort, immediately ask your body what it needs or do something that you know feels good for you. For some people, it might be relaxing to take an intellectual stimulation, like reading a book, listening to a podcast, intentionally going down an internet rabbit hole on one of your special interests. Special interests are deeply relaxing to the autistic nervous system. And I haven't even talked about other people yet, but obviously for some people it's relaxing to make time for social time on a rest day. For some people, this is the most relaxing thing is being with other people that they love, touch, affection, sex. And if you're inviting other people into your mental health day, or if they're already there because they live with you and they're just around, if you tell them what your intention is for the day, they can help support you. For example, they could check in with you periodically about what you need, 
And for example, if you are spending social time with them or in a shared space with them, maybe you ask them to check in with you every once in a while about whether this still feels supportive or whether you need some alone time or whether you have some other need coming up. And it can be helpful to talk through with someone, whether they're there or not. This could be via text with a friend. Just talking through at some point in the day, figuring out your own needs. If this is something that you're still processing, like how to get these signals from your body. And my final thought for those who are still learning how to rest and have it actually feel good is that this is a chance to gently, gently stretch your nervous system into a bit more rest. That 1% stretch, that 4% stretch, just this little bit, it should still feel good overall. And for me, it's a couple of things this shows up as this little stretch into rest is I try to take a little silent time between activities. What I used to do was I would finish an audiobook and I would literally just start the next one before the previous one had finished the credits. Like I was <laughs> literally not taking any break. That was what my brain wanted at that time. And there's nothing wrong with that, not shaming that at all. But part of my stretch interest now is giving myself some silent time between inputs so my brain gets a chance to do its own thing. And another way I do something very similar is if I have just a couple minutes where I'm waiting for something, for example, when something's in the microwave or my tea is steeping, rather than immediately going to something entertaining, I now take that time to check in with my body and maybe move and stim a little bit and stretch a little bit physically. Not out of any moral requirement to spend less time on my phone, but because it feels genuinely restful for me to say, oh, I've got two minutes. I'm just taking these two minutes to be here right now with myself. And that now feels restful to me in a way that it did not when I started this journey toward enjoying rest. So again, that's just me and what's working for me right now. Whatever that looks like for you, stretching just a little bit into the potential discomfort of rest. With every stretch, there's that actual stretching motion, right? That part. And then there's the release, which in this case is just returning to whatever feels good and comforting. So when I take those breaks, letting my brain or body just do what they want to do, for me, those are relatively short periods of time. And then I go back to, you know, reading or doing what I was doing. On a mental health day, if you're really engaged and enjoying the restful time, often the day will go by really fast. This is why I don't recommend having any type of practical to-do lists with chores or projects or things that you feel like you're supposed to do. Because if you're having a great rest day, and all of a sudden you look up and it's dark outside, it's going to feel like pressure to return to that to-do list, right? But if it helps your mind relax to make that list as a backup, totally fine. I would make it and just set it aside, literally hide the productive to-do list because that's not the point of the rest day. <laughs> but if it's helpful for your brain to just kind of get that stuff out or to add stuff to it as you think of to-dos throughout the day that need to happen at some point, by all means, make the list. But if you really want to have a list, I would just put things on it that feel restful and nourishing. And those could, again, for some people, include things that would not be restful to me, right? <laughs> it could be a chore that you really enjoy doing if you really enjoy doing it, okay? Totally fine. 
do with this what you will. And then if you find yourself really wanting that stimulation of doing some work, again, if that's where your system's at right now, that's okay. Do what actually feels good. The more you rest and the more you practice enjoying rest, the easier it is to not default to work. This has been a many years journey for me, a really tough one for me, and I'm still working on it. I still sometimes find myself wanting to do just a little work at 9 p.m. or during a time I'd schedule the social time. And when the body has trouble relaxing and just wants to stay in motion, what's a version of that for you that would still be nourishing or restful? So taking a walk works really well for me rather than turning back to work for comfort. But again, we're taking steps toward this in the long run, right? And then the last thing I want to mention is if you've heard the idea that rest is a privilege, I really extra recommend the book Rest is Resistance because she talks about why she does not believe that. She does not believe that rest is a privilege because she believes it's a right and a part of our natural state. And at the same time, I want to acknowledge that I'm sure some people listening to this are thinking it's impossible for them to get a full mental health day for a variety of reasons, or that even if they technically had the time, they'd still have care tasks such as caring for children or caring for older family members, etc. Many people just have endless tasks that it's very hard to get away from. And if that's how you're feeling, if you're worried about the how at this point, just for a moment... Again, I'm taking a deep breath and I'm just releasing it really slowly as I'm talking. Detaching just for a moment from that viewpoint. Yes, that can be true. And also just letting that idea go for now about why this is so difficult. And just kind of floating above or away from the current situation in your mind. And letting your mind open up to thinking a bit more broadly and inviting in curiosity, inviting in creativity, a bit more broadly from this bigger frame, looking across everyone you know, everyone who lives around you, even if you don't know them, just letting your mind expand. What other support might you have access to now or in the future? Rest is a community responsibility. Who might be able to take care of your kids for a while, even if it's just a few hours? Who might be willing to come over and help you do the care tasks that would allow you to actually rest comfortably? And it's okay if you don't have answers to these questions yet, but just leave them as open-ended questions for your brain to keep thinking about, because that's something our brain does really well. If we ask it a question and just kind of leave it there from this broader perspective, our brain goes to work for us. This is not just about you making a plan and enacting it. To me, this is about starting a shift toward a culture where it's normalized for people to have needs, have needs, get those needs met in a variety of ways. And a mental health day is just one way to do that. So if that's not currently accessible to you, how can you apply elements of true rest and nourishment in smaller periods of time. As always, this is just a set of suggestions. You're welcome to take or leave or change or use as a jumping off point for your own specific situation. 
And I'd love to hear from you if you have specific suggestions based on what works for you and what feels truly restful. I love you. Please take care of yourself and have a great weekend, whatever that looks like for you. Thanks for listening. If you know someone who would be helped by this podcast, please share it with them. And I'd love to hear your thoughts and suggestions at Mattia at MattiaMarie.com. That's M-A-T-T-I-A at M-A-T-T-I-A-M-A-U-R-E-E dot com. Thank you.